She Said podcast, episode four, the holiday edition. My name's Alexa Dat, joined by Kyle, our producer. I've made it back. You've made it back. I've made it back. I'm very impressed. Thank you. All the way from Long Island. You were deported, but it was you rough. made it back. It was rough, <laughs> but I'm back. We also are joined by Eric Legrand, who is an advocate for spinal cord injury research to help find a cure after he was paralyzed in 2010 during a kickoff in the Rutgers Army game. We are in Eric's man cave, which is awesome. Eric, thank you yeah. so much for having us in your home. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad that you guys got to come visit the man cave. I always try to decorate it nice for you guys. So, guys, I'm happy you guys get to check it out a little bit. All right, so we're going to jump right into two takeaways from this weekend. Let's start with... Saturday night, Jets-Cowboys. Jets won 19-16 in what you would assume is one of the ugliest football scores you can imagine. I mean, as a football player, that's a pretty terrible score, right? It is a pretty terrible score. As a defensive player, though, it's a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> All right, I like that. So you were at the game. How did you get there? What happened? What was the situation? You know, I was playing the trip with my friends because they're huge Cowboys fans. And, you know, I always wanted to see that stadium after it was built. So we set it up, and I got to go down there by emailing with Stephen Jones, who got us the tickets, and you know I got to bring my girlfriend down there, and then also met my three friends and set us up right in the front row, 50-yard line. It was amazing. Got to go on the field before the game. Was talking with Des Bryant, Coach Garrett. Got to see my old Coach Brown, who's the running backs coach, and it was amazing. You know, that's that's something that you don't forget, and you got to see Jerry's World and everything it's all about and the intricacies. And then the next day, got to go do a personal tour and see everything. It was just it's amazing. It's honestly like a spaceship. So when you went on the personal tour, what was your favorite part about all the behind-the-scenes stuff? Because you probably saw stuff that the rest of us had never gotten, you know, never, never be able to see. Yeah, and it's, it's the best part is definitely seeing the, the elevator that he, Jerry Jones <laughs> has behind the scenes in the stadium that no one can get to but him. And not everyone's card works for every door. If you're an employee there, you have cards to every door except his elevator. Wow. So his elevator goes from every floor, from his suite, down to a little private area where he does his business and watches the games. It's crazy. It's Jerry Jones, a smart man right there. That's pretty crazy. All right, let's rewind for a second. Girlfriend. When did we meet? How did we meet? <laughs> let's talk about the girlfriend. Funny. So I met her last December, actually right around this time when it was on Instagram. It was crazy how this happened because it was she was actually, she liked two of my pictures because it was one of my two inspirational quote pictures. She said that she saw my HBO special. She's a Arizona Cardinal cheerleader. Uh-huh. So I was like, I was scrolling through. I said, oh, who's this? I'm like, she looks pretty cute. Uh-huh. And, you know, and I decided to slide in the DMs. And I, was just <laughs> like, I was just talking to her and said hi. And then from there, you know, we, we hit it off right away. She came out and visited me in February. And then, you know, we, we went through a little rough patch over the summer and everything. But, you know, we're good, good to go right now. I think everything's cool. So I'm happy. Happy that she's in my life. She's good people, and yeah, you guys got to meet her one day. Can we uh, can we give her name away, or is that secret? Yeah, you give her name. Her name is Katie Mankey. You guys want to search her, Katie Minks. Okay, <laughs> great. And how often do you guys get to see each other? I go. I try to see her probably once a once a month. I will be out in Arizona for the national championship for college football, where she lives next month. And I was just with her in Dallas, and then a month before that, I was out in Arizona again. We'll probably get her out here in February or. Maybe plan a vacation, go somewhere in the wintertime since I do hate the cold. So yeah. we'll figure it out and make it work. That's great. So I'm guessing when I was looking at your Instagrams, that was while you were at the Cardinals Monday night football game? Is that, that you? Okay. I was, yeah. I went out to the Cardinals Monday night game and yeah. Yeah, she invited me out there and I they put my name on the Jumbotron. Which yeah, was cool I saw too. that. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, so I got to go out there and just see them, you know, meet some of her team and all that. So it's a good time. You know, try to hook some of my boys up too. <laughs> <laughs> Get them all. I like that. You guys all go out together, clubbing? You guys into the... 
Yeah, you know, as I'm getting older now, I say, you know, I'm not into the club scene. I go out every now and then. When I was, of course, like 21, 22, it was like every weekend we got to go out. But now, you know, I'm kind of slowing down, relaxing a little bit. I'm saying getting old, even though I'm only 25. <laughs> you know, I like to watch TV, hang out at home on a Saturday now instead of always being out in the scene and being yeah. out and about. I feel that. Um, all right, so let's talk about this game a little bit. Kellen Moore replaces Matt Castle, uh, throws three picks. It's a pretty terrible game from my perspective. Kyle, what did you say? One of the picks was also an intentional grounding, which I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen an intentional grounding and a pick at the same time. It's pretty impressive. I guess it's impressive or just... I mean, sarcastically I mean, impressive. Thank you. We'll go with sarcastically impressive. Okay. And as a Jets fan, I guess you're happy that you're, you're, you got a win, but it was kind of sloppy. It wasn't the best played game I think that mm. they want to have especially going into a playoff push but you know Jets fans will be happy and I guess Cowboys fans are happy that they lost it gets them a better draft pick going forward that's <laughs> that's Abiel's plan take as many losses as you can to get a draft pick well the Jets are now tied with the Steelers and Chiefs for the AFC wild card spot only two of those three teams can make it who's making the playoffs well let me tell you this I had a lot of Jets fans mad at me since I am a diehard Broncos fan and <laughs> My Broncos lost to the Steelers, and that was very upsetting. The Jets needed them to lose, so right now they're rooting against my Broncos. But if the Jets handle their business and beat the Patriots this week, and the Steelers somehow slip up versus the Ravens or the Browns, maybe. But right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are hot, the Steelers are hot. And if the Jets get 11 wins and don't make the playoffs, it's going to be a lot of angry New Yorkers. There will be. And how do they react to you? So you're a New Jersey guy. You went to college here. You played mm. football here, and you're a Broncos fan. Yeah. You get tons of hate. I don't get tons of hate. Actually, I get a lot of respect because I tell them how I became a fan when I was young. I was six years old, seven years old, and I was watching Terrell Davis on the on the TV, and I was like, ooh, I like him. I was I wore his number my entire life until I went to college and switched to Ray Lewis's number 52. Mm -hmm. I wore number 30, and I said I was going to follow that team for the rest of my life. And people are like, well, I, you know, I respect your loyalty to the team. And I was six, seven years old saying I was going to follow a team for the rest of my life, and I stuck to it, and now I'm been going through my struggles with my Broncos and the highs of them and the lows and yeah, they've been breaking my heart lately. Well, I definitely do respect that, but I want to ask you a question. Who the hell is Brock Osweiler? Second time. To figure this out. Second time that's been asked on this podcast. We don't know who that is. All right, my man Big Brock. He's, okay. been, he's been behind painting for a little bit now, you know, since he's came in and we drafted him. He's actually, when I found out he's younger than me, I thought he was older, but he's younger than me from Arizona State. Six foot eight quarterback out there. Okay. It's crazy, but... You know, I'm actually liking the way that he's playing this year. We have to help him out more because there's been a lot of drop passes with my man DT. He's dropped a few. Vernon Davis now dropping some. So you got a new quarterback like Brock. You got to, you know, you got to wean him in there. You got to make big plays for him to gain his confidence. So I like what he's doing out there. But, you know, people always ask me too, like, is, is he going to take over the job? I'm still all team sheriff, you know, coach. I mean, uh, Peyton Manning, he's, well, that's he's the, coaching that's on the, the side. But. Peyton Manning's my guy. In, in the playoffs, like, looks like the Broncos will be in it. Who are you going with as a fan? What do you want to see? you want to see Peyton or do you want to see Brock? I know Peyton has had his struggles and everything in the playoffs and, you know, all the one games and done, and, you know, in and out just like that. But he's Peyton, man, everything that he's been able to do. I kind of look at it like Ray Lewis's last ride. You know, he came back with that, with his messed up bicep and they, you know, motivated the team to win a Super Bowl. That's what I want to want to see with Peyton, if he can come back. I don't know if it's going to be this week or the week after, and then try to get us into the playoffs. You know, we'll be like limping in right now, trying to get us into the playoffs and see if we can have one last ride and send him away if he wants, you know, if he wins the Super Bowl and win another ring and he retires. Or if he doesn't even come back this season, then we have to deal with him, maybe him coming back next year. But I want to see him go away one last ride and 
Let's get a Super Bowl win. Yeah, that'll be an interesting turnout to see what, what ends up happening there if they do make the playoffs. All right, let's move on to Panthers-Giants. Carolina was up 28-0 with under a minute 30 left in the third quarter. Their undefeated season on the line. When you watched the game, what did you say? I was actually in the airport watching it, too, and we were, we were you know, going back and forth with my friends because they're Cowboys fans, and they're like, ooh, boo, Giants. And honestly, I wanted Odell Beckham to keep on going with the 100 yards each game. I do believe it was six straight where he had 100 yeah. yards receiving. Yeah. So I wanted to see, and then the first pass, he dropped it when he had the touchdown. I was like, dang. So then, you know, we had to go through security and all this, and then, you know, we get to finally get to, the, to our gate, and we're sitting there watching the game, and that's when everything went down. Everything was going down between Norman and OBJ, and I was like, Dang, that was tripping out there right now. He's going crazy. You know? Crazy. I, I didn't see the body slam in the beginning, so I did not see Josh Norman's body slam him, which maybe provoked everything after that. But I just saw Odell swinging. I saw his hands in his face, and then the head-to-head -head contact. Where I was like, damn, this, this, this is wild. I mean, that's yeah. where he crossed the line, right? Yeah, that's when I said, you're coming after somebody's head now. And I understand, you know, the testosterone gets going during the games. I played out there. I know I've got frustrated, and I've been... I wanted to fight, believe me. I wanted to fight, but just kind of hold back. And I, never, you know, you can't be going after people's head like that, especially with everything that's going on. Yeah. And with people trying to make the game safer with the concussion protocols and everything, that was wild. So do you think he should be suspended for a game? I think they don't, the league's gonna give him probably one game, and you know, it's, you know, you can't really argue against it after you have to go after somebody's head like that. People get kicked out of games for going after their heads. You look at college football; you get kicked out in the second half. You miss the first half of the next game too. So I think you know they probably get one game suspension. Just something that you gotta learn from. You know, he'll be fine. He'll come back and you know explode on the scene again. But can't be acting like that. You know, well, it's awesome. interesting that you say that you played with so much emotion, but that you were able to stop yourself before you crossed mm -hmm. that line. That's really an emotional thing that he's got to learn, you know, to keep himself in check, right? Yeah, it is. You yeah. know, and that's also too the fear of your coach too getting on you if you go overboard because eventually you're hurting the team when you get those extra penalties and things like that. So yeah, What's you, it, you watch say yourself. you say penalties, but. It wouldn't have gotten to that point had the refs actually jumped in yeah. early, right? So we talked about uh, the body slam, which comes in, no mm -hmm. no call. So then Odell's got to go, okay, I've got to stand up for myself. Cause it's not like somebody's going to come in and hit Norman for you. You, It's not hockey. You don't have an enforcer who comes in and lays somebody out. you got to do it yourself. So he goes back at him, no call. Now they're going back at each other. If Odell went, Odell, Odell, Norman, like whoever, whatever order it went in. There were no calls. But you have to hope that the refs do their job. Okay, That's but the, the whole point. Right, but the refs didn't do their job. So but then it's, not, it's, but it's escalating. Then, but it's not then your job to take the hand, the law into your own hands. That's fine. And do it you for want, yourself. You want to, like, you, we talk, it's football, right? So on, on, like, the playground, somebody hits you, you know, your parents are always just like, you know, don't don't hit back, you know, be be the bigger man. No, nah, my dad always no one, hit back. No one says that. <laughs> my dad was no like, you can hit, that. you can hit back. No one says that in football. In football, they're always just like, stand up for yourself. You're on the field, you know. Take, take him out. Do what you got to do. Odell did what he had to do. Should have gotten penalized like the first time when he swung at his head. No call. So then they're going back and forth. They're wrestling. They weren't, but the they're grabbing in throw. each other's face mask is yeah. totally different than the blindsided hit helmet to helmet. Right. The helmet right? to helmet. That's where but it's different. The refs never reeled it back in. Right? So like it just kept escalating to the point where they're going in at each other. The refs mm. never said, okay... 15 yards, 15 yards. Yeah. Like they, At one point, they were just offsetting penalties. So nothing bad happened. <laughs> You're sitting at second and five, offsetting penalties. So nothing bad happened to the Giants. Nothing bad happened to the Panthers. It's almost like the play didn't happen, and then they just let them go. They didn't say, okay, this is out of control. They didn't eject anybody. They just let it keep going. And then he goes missile into Norman's head. That's what he's going to get suspended for. But the refs never at any point said, hey, uh, stop this. Like, here's a major, like, 
let's go, calm it down. They never went over and spoke to the head coaches each and said, you got to get your guys under control. Like, they didn't do anything. Yeah, it should have been like in baseball while. where they warn each bench, you know, like get, get your guys under control. Or the mm -hmm. coaching staff could have done something, at least tried to help out. Yeah, the coaching staff definitely could have. I think, you know, the rest were a little bit weary. I think they should have stepped in. But they saw they knew what was on the line for the Giants. They're fighting for the playoffs. Yeah. Spot. The Carolina Panthers, you know, undefeated. They're trying to stay undefeated. So I think they let it get a little bit chippy. You know, some playoff football let it go. And I think they did let it go a little bit too far because they should have stepped in and, like you said, give somebody a penalty. You can't have an offset of penalties because that really doesn't affect anybody. Yeah. But they tried, to let it, they tried to let it go. I'm sure they'll be talking with Roger Goodell and all the, you know, whoever's the head of the referees. They'll be having meetings, things like that. But... They should have stepped. They definitely should have stepped in before that head missile came. That, you think they should have been ejected? After the head missile, not yeah. before. Before that, no. Before that, you know, you talk to them, you throw the penalty, start start attacking on yards, start talking on penalty yards. That will get the coach's attention real quick. Yeah. So that, but after the head missile, yeah, then that's when I was like, oh. Yeah, that, that, that's that's where it hit, yeah. and that's what he's going to get suspended for because that went too far. And it's funny because after, I mean, it's not funny, but after that happened. Like, the chippiness went away. Like, they yeah, both got yeah, spoken yeah. to. There was, like, another altercation where they got together, but Odell actually didn't do anything. It was, like, another giant, and Odell might have said something. And, like, you heard Norman screaming. You couldn't hear what he was saying, but he's heated on the side. Odell's off on the side. They're all, like, now their coaches are, like, the wide receiver's coach is talking Odell down. He loses his mind on the sideline a bit, like, because they had Aaron Andrews talking about he was yelling about how no one cares. This is, like... No one's in for this game. And then he went and apologized to everyone. And then it was Odell, as usual, you know, running routes and catching the well, ball. Well, then he caught the touchdown and right. did the AI over Norman. And that kind of was like a, a controversial but, situation. Right, but like the punches went away after all that. and But it, just, it never should have gotten to that point. I think the punches went away because it started coming down to the game actually being on the line. And then everyone yeah. started playing football at that hey, point. They, they, John has made a huge comeback. So, yeah, it is, you don't want to you know, get a penalty. But... That, that stepping over the AI. Thing. That I, AI, I was that like, was oh, really cool here we see. go. As a former shit talker myself, I kind of, I kind of like that because <laughs> it's like, yeah, what's up now? You know what I did. I did like now. that, and AI is my boy. I'm a big fan. All right, the Giants are tied with the Eagles for second place in the division. Both sit one game back from the Redskins, so it's not over yet. Still chance for your Giants. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but listen, it's all the Redskins can do whatever. I'm a huge Redskins fan, okay. but and I should know better than anyone that hey, they can do. The they, yeah, there you go. They can do whatever they want. If they want to win the division, sure, go for it. If they want to completely shit the bed, they that's a possibility too. It's distinctly a possibility, but I'm not holding my breath on it. All right. Okay, let's move on to some sports awards. So we're going to do something a little different this year. We're going to do, or this podcast. As in we haven't done it before. As in we haven't done it before. Yes. And this is the holiday edition, so let's get it started. We've done nothing referencing holidays yet. We've just said holiday edition. I'm, well, I'm referencing it right now. Okay, okay. okay. So we're going to do sports awards in our holiday edition of the podcast. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys either questions or statements, and you're going to finish them or answer them with something that happened in the year in sports. But you're going to do it too, right? Of course. Okay. We'll all participate. Okay. Okay. Nice. First one, favorite sports moment of the year. I said I, I liked Noah Syndergaard's 60 feet, 6 inches comment. After his game versus the Royals, now, yes, the Mets didn't win the World Series, but after his game versus the Royals, down two games to nothing, and he throws first pitch up and in, dusts the plate, gets backs people off, and he's going hard at them the whole game. And after the game, the reporters talk to the Royals, and they come in, and they're talking to the Mets, and... You know, the Royals weren't happy with you throwing in. You know, do you have any response? They didn't, they didn't like it. They didn't appreciate the way, you know, they didn't think the game was supposed to be played that way. And he just looked dead into the camera and said, 
you know, if they have a problem with it, they know where to find me. I'm 60 feet, six inches away from home plate. And then that was it. D done. So you like was more of the shit-talking aspect than it being your favorite sports. Yes, moment. I love trolling in sports, and that was him just... Well, you skipped ahead. That's a question later, but okay, yeah. we'll give that to you. All right, favorite sports moment this year? My, I'm a Yankees fan, too, so this is kind of crazy for me. But, nice. you know, when they when it was all talking about the Mets and the Cubs series coming up, and it was all about the back to the future, the Cubs coming out. Yeah. And then what the Mets did to them right away, like, you know, that was when Murphy was going crazy, smacking home runs around. And my friends are huge Mets fans, so going in the group message, seeing them happy was actually pretty cool. And I thought that was probably the, probably the coolest and the best sports moment for this year so wow. far. Wow. Watching it, watching my, they were very happy. It was, it was good to see them finally happy because all the years that able to talk trash to them and stuff. It well, was so it's a clean that. sweep. Mine is also the Mets. And just being at the World Series, being able to walk out onto the field. I've never been a part of a Super Bowl or, you know, a championship game. So being able to be a part of the stadium and be a part of the energy, even though I'm not a diehard Mets fan, I didn't grow up a Mets fan, I've st I kind of adopted the team, and that was, that was a lot of fun for me. All right, moving on. Favorite troll or Twitter beef that happened this year, Eric? I think mine's got to be between 50 Cent and Mayweather. <laughs> that was hilarious. That, that to me when you know, 50 Cent told him to read a Harry Potter book and Mayweather <laughs> telling him that you tell your kid to love you, you know, back and forth. But these are two heavy hitters, you know what I mean? You got Mayweather at the top of the line where he does his boxing. 50 Cent, everyone knows him with his rapper game. Now he's, you know, getting into the business aspect of things. And those two go back and forth. That, that's for like, that's, I like to see that kind of stuff, you know. You don't, and you always see everyone dapping each other up in your games, what's up, but you get to see actually real beef between you know some heavy hitters like that. It's actually fun to watch. My favorite was the Mavs Twitter account. After beating the Clippers, they revisited the whole DeAndre Jordan free agency <laughs> drama, where he almost came to the Mavs then didn't. And the Mavs wrote on their Twitter account, "Hey Clippers, good game. Have a safe trip home." And put like a ton of emojis, like a rocket ship, so a car, yeah. a bike, a boat. And at the end, it was a banana peel. I just thought that was so clever. I love that. And the whole drama <laughs> and then the fans, you know, booing DeAndre when he was on the court. I was just like a huge fan of that whole situation. Mine's Mets related again. And people are going to start telling me to like stop with the Mets. I'm not even a big baseball fan. Hey, However, listen, this is your year. I know. Like Eric said, yeah, he's happy for you. So um, When the Los Angeles Metro was trolling the MTA saying, hey, uh, MTA, please tidy up the 7 train. Dodgers Blue is coming to town. LOL Mets. And then the MTA responded with, don't worry, we'll, we sweep our subway just like the Mets are sweeping the Dodgers. <laughs> but to me, none of the, both of the tweets weren't that funny. For me, it was just going, wait, LA has a subway? Do people in LA even know that they have a subway? Like, I don't think, yeah. no one knows why is the LA subway trying to talk about the greatest subway system probably outside of London. Like, yeah. let's calm down, LA. Everyone drives. No one rides the subway. That's why it's I so clean. I did not know they had a subway. No one does. I didn't does. either. Yeah. All right. Number three, comeback player of the year. And I'm going to go first because mine, I think, is not necessarily in the realm of what you guys would consider in the conversation, but I'm going with Jason Pierre-Paul because he had the fireworks injury and there were so many people on the radio and on TV talking about how you can't play football without a hand, how he'd never play football again, definitely not this year, and he recorded his first sack against the Panthers this Sunday. So for me, to be able to have that incident, to go through all of that, and then to come back and be on the field... You know, that he's the comeback player of the year to me. I think I'll make you guys both happy. I'm going to go with another Mets guy, Harvey. Yeah. That's, that was mine. That Har was mine. Harvey, what, what he was able to do, you know, that Tommy John surgery, you know, coming off of that is not always easy. You know, I played baseball my entire life until I got a scholarship to play for, for Rutgers. But um, 
watching that happen, you know, talking to my friends too with the baseball whole situation and what he was able to do. You know, that's the dark night right there, and I, I respect it, so I got to give it to my man Harvey. Okay, biggest surprise this year in sports? It's going to be something negative. was Peyton Manning starting my team off 7-0, and but doing absolutely terrible. Yeah. yeah. Even with the injuries and everything. He it was it was sad to see honestly you know I I, I didn't want to see him go out like that and we still were seven and zero and he had like fifteen interceptions with like six touchdowns or something like yeah. that yeah so that's a huge surprise good and bad but that's you know the way I follow my Broncos that was probably the biggest surprise for me with sports you got your notes together well I, that's not on my notes but I'm just right off the top of my head just thinking <laughs> just, of it I, I feel like you are sandbagging me here. Um, it was, on the, it well, was on the rundown, Kyle. Get your life together. Yeah, You're I'm the producer. Terrible producer. <laughs> um, just thinking of it, right off the top of my head, the Women's World Cup final. Like, yeah. I, I expected the U.S. women's team to win just because of how well they played, but the way that game started was just remarkable. Like, that was a big surprise. I, did, like, I thought maybe it'd be similar to the last Women's World Cup final with that, but no. They just out, they were like, mm, we're going to win this one, and we're coming out swinging, and... All of those goals to start the game were pretty remarkable, so I was very surprised Thank by that. Carly Lloyd. Yeah, she, yeah, she's pretty amazing. Right off the bat, she was out of control. So, all right, I'm gonna go with Serena Williams because her not being able to complete the calendar year Grand Slam I think was pretty shocking, and she lost in the semifinals to an Italian tennis player that was wasn't even ranked, Roberta Vinci, and it was when she lost, everyone was disappointed, and then everyone was like. Who did she lose to again? No one even knew who this one was. She went on to win it, but it, it was so, just so out of the blue. And I had gone to see Venus, I guess, the day before. And Venus is just so dominant, and Serena's that much better. I was like, there's no way that Serena's losing, and she did. So for me, that was a big surprise. It also had like the best post-game sound from the chick who beat her. She was like, I didn't expect. I have to go return my plane ticket. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't expect to be here going forward. She was hilarious. Yeah. She was like an she unapologetic so, Italian. Yeah. She was yeah. so just full of energy and just not sure what happened. I was, oh, man. I was upset. I was trying to get tickets to that. Too, for the, <laughs> I was trying to get tickets for that main match with Serena. And then... When it happened, I remember I was talking to my people over at IMG. They're like, "Oh, do you still want to take us?" And I'm like, yeah, "I'm good. I think. <laughs> I think I'll just watch on TV or I'll catch the highlights." All right, next question. It was just a matter of time before. Before Knicks fans got behind Chris Tapps, Porzingis. Okay. One game, and they were all just like, "All right, maybe Phil knows what he's doing. Let Phil do Phil, because Chris Tapps is playing." And it's well, fun to watch. he was playing, then he wasn't playing well, and now he's kind of yeah, playing he's okay a, again. He, okay, he's a rookie, and he's exceeding expectations, which for most Knicks fans, especially after that draft with the kid crying and just losing his mind. He's a 7-3 basketball player. Those are your expectations. Yeah, I, you, I you wasn't... You play defense, and you... I wasn't upset with the, the pick, lane. just looking at his stats. 7-3, uh, all he has to do is reach, and then he's at the hoop. Okay, yeah, let's go. I'm pretty okay with that. Everyone else got on board. Yeah, you stole my thunder with the World Cup because it was gonna, I was going to say it was just a matter of time before the women's there you go. the World yeah. Cup. That was, you know, that with the year that, after watching that, so, you know, I really started watching them in 2011 when they lost it. And then I was like, I'm watching, you know, getting close to Carly Lloyd and talking to her and everything, watching her career. And then after, you know, following the team, I'm like, you know, this team, it was just a matter of time before it actually happened. And now Abby retiring and all that, so still my thunder with that. Sorry, but I, it's all <laughs> good. It's all good. I, I was like, as soon as you said, I was like, dang, God. How that. close are you and Carly now? I'm really, I'm pretty close though. You know, she's actually on vacation now with her, with her fiance, I believe, in the Cayman Islands. You know, I send a text every now and then. You know, she's cool people, rockers connections. So mm -hmm. 
You know, I was watching her, watching her as she blew up. I'll, I'll never forget talking to her when she got when she got benched in I believe 2011, 2012. She got benched and she had to work her way back up to get her position. Then she went and killed it in the Olympics and won the gold. And then her working all the way up to now where she is, you know, on top of the world, finally getting the recognition she deserves. Did you talk to her through that process? I talked to her through the whole thing, which okay. was pretty crazy. You know, she was very bummed out through the, if they were, you know, she she was asking me, you know, some inspirational stuff that I had to stay motivated, things like that. And I was just like, you know, you just got to keep on working hard, things like that. You know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, her with her training, honestly... That's one of the most, I talked to a lot of athletes, she, that's all she cares about is training, 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 working hard, and she does, she puts everything else aside, like she'll worry about starting a family later on down the road, she, she did get engaged, which was nice, but she, everything is all about soccer, and then when she's done with soccer, she said, then she'll worry about everything else, and the work that that woman puts in is the hardest working player I've seen in soccer, so. You know, she deserves everything that she is finally getting. Yeah, that's pretty awesome that you guys were able to, to build that relationship. I mean, obviously, the Rutgers connection mm -hmm. really helps. I think it was just a matter of time before Gino's jaw was broken. Because <laughs> that... Because <laughs> he can be such a punk sometimes. And I remember when he was drafted, everyone was talking about his attitude and that he was going to have a problem transitioning into the pros. And here we go. Now he has a shattered jaw and he's not playing football. I remember being told I had to go do breaking news because Gino Smith broke his jaw. I was like... Like I was like, what happened? Like, how does they're they're not playing anyone? How does that happen? And like, did it happen during practice? And they're like, no, nah, he got punched in the locker room. I was just like, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen. No one punches their quarterback. Have you ever heard of that? Not a quarter. You don't touch the quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback yeah. is off That's the thing. You, if you get close to the quarterback, a mosquito bite, then you get in trouble. That's you don't touch the quarterback. But when I saw that, I was like, damn. <laughs> That's some stuff. So he must have really messed up with something. He punched the quarterback. Like I mean, that. he had to have, right? He must have crossed the line that was just egregious enough. Well, he also didn't have the support of any of the guys in the locker room, right? Because mm -hmm. don't you think if someone were to attack him, that the other guys would help out? Exactly. Make sure that's. I've been in locker rooms, and you know, a lot of people, you know, you pick sides in different locker rooms. So, you know, he must not, like you said, he must have pissed a lot of people off if no one had his back. All right. How about I almost cried when? Kyle, when did you almost cry? Uh, when Devin still announced that his daughter was cancer free, I was very that was oh, that was very emotional. That was really emotional because like I remember like a year and a half ago, I was super big into Giovanni Bernard on my fantasy team and mm -hmm. loved him. He's and great just, in hard knocks. Yeah, and mm -hmm. but they had like all these stories, and I just remember seeing the ESPN thing on Devin Still and his daughter, and just how much he went through and was going through. And then earlier this year, when he said, you know, she's cancer free, and he's still mm -hmm. like doing stuff with pediatric cancer, it was just all very. I'm glad, I'm glad, Heartwarming and emotional. I'm glad you brought her up. Every time I see her on Instagram or post from Devin, I just feel the need to set a prayer up every single time it happens. So I'm, gl I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, that's a good one. That, that is you. a good one. And that's like makes me think of my mind getting all mad when my Broncos. I thought my dream was going to come true. My Broncos were in the Super Bowl here in New Jersey, and I thought this is like this is a dream come true. They're going to win it here in New Jersey. I was finally going to get to see it. Went to the game with my mom. Brought her out there. It was just my mom and I. And I left in the third quarter almost in tears oh. <laughs> because of what you know happened that game. And I legit, my friend, I'll give my friends credit. They left me alone for a solid week. I was, I was really upset. I thought I was like, how did, how did we lose? And especially when you have no control, like you can't, you have no control of the situation. I almost cried. I almost cried when Kobe retired because he's one of my favorite players. Yeah. The letter that he wrote, I thought was super emotional, and I think the Players Tribune does a really good job when they have the players, you know, in a first-person perspective, write letters. I mean, I read it on the podcast, and yes. I was cheering up on the podcast. So. Um, wow. 
it was, yeah, it was just, it was super emotional and uh, it's gonna be like the end of an era, especially for me, because that he was, I mean, and your era too, I mean, you're younger than I am, but he's part of a lot of our eras. You don't watch basketball, so you don't count. Uh, <laughs> I watch the Knicks. Kind of. Sometimes. So you're a Kobe fan, huh? Huge Kobe fan. So yeah, I love him. I'm, I've been 24 for a while, so. KG, baby, all day. Okay. Well, because he's a big shit talker, so you kind of relate to that. That's my guy. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> I love it now. That's the end of an era for me now, too. All right. He or she might be the craziest sports personality. Oh, I'm going back to soccer, but it's FIFA president slap ladder. Like, I, but he's legitimately <laughs> insane. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I've never seen someone more defiant and actually crazy that he's done nothing wrong yeah. than I've seen him. The whole, like, his whole FIFA empire is crumbling around him. And he's just like, I'm good. He announced that he'll step down. He's like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I won't step down. I think we'll even see. his name sounds like he's a crazy it person. It does. He sounds like he could be a Bond villain. So yeah. he's, he's a little bit crazy. Who do you think's crazy? I think Skip Bayless is crazy. <laughs> Honestly, he's hit the TV person. I don't know if it's... Directed like that, the producers make him act the way he does, or some of those tweets that he says. I just think he's just out of his mind with a bunch of different different topics. Is he less crazy than Stephen A. Smith, though? Stephen A. Smith is starting to get up there, actually. <laughs> Stephen A. is hanging out with Skip too much. So he ain't That's to get a problem. There, but it's contagious. Skip, Skip is definitely, when, from just, I guess, the time he's came on to where he's at, like, now it's just, just like, what are you saying, man? What have you heard him say recently that you've been like, that, whoa? I don't know if it's something that he recently said that I'm just like whoa about. It's just pretty much when you just go on if you go on his Twitter and just read some of the things that he says, it's just like yeah. All right, skip it. That's right. That's how you're feeling, all right then. I can't tell if that's how he's feeling if he's just trying to troll us at that's all. That's what times, I'm saying. If, you know if, I mean? if if someone's if he's trying to troll you or if it's just like all right, I'm, I'm this is how I really feel. That's what I think it's crazy because yeah. it makes you just play mind games with you. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jerry Jones. I know he's your boy, but I just Jerry think Jones. there's a there's one or two screws loose there. They have guys who can play football and are who are terrible human beings who shouldn't be on their team, <laughs> and he still lets them play. So he's, I think that's crazy. All right, I would vote for blank for president. Who would you vote for for president? Me. Yes. Me. I like it. I'm going me for president. <laughs> if all these people, Kanye said he's running. You got Donald Trump up there with a lot of a lot of support behind Donald support. Trump and everything that he's saying. I think I could bring some peace and positivity to this world, so I'm going to be You'd easily president. be the most positive person yes. out of all of them, which I, I think would be great for I'm you. I'm going to be for president. I like that. How about you? Can I pick like an actual candidate or do I want to go like a less? No, this is called the Sports Awards. The Holiday <laughs> Edition Sports Awards, Kyle. Okay, right, right, right. I think uh, I'd like to see Michael Strahan. I love his personality Ooh, and he's a very vocal Strahan. person. Yeah, remember what Carlin said about him. When the camera goes off, he turns into a different person. Carlin yeah. said that. When you listen to the podcast, you'll hear. That's, that's true, but forever he said, he'll be that. He said when the lights that, go off, when the camera go off, the lights go off, he just my, turns he's into He's my a favorite giant, and I'd like to being. think that he'd be a great president, maybe. Yeah, I guess he's maybe. He's really good with Kelly, so, you know. Maybe if he's, he's always in the limelight, spotlight. <laughs> 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 you hear this? What? what? It's, it's on, it's on the, on the cabs all the time. There's always, like, these little clips, and they're always having a great time. All right, I'm going Steph Curry. Because I want to see Riley in the White House. I want to watch her grow up and see her be crazy and run around. Plus, what didn't I see you at the All-Star uh, three-point shooting contest yes, when he there. went off, hit 13 in a row, and he won? And that, to me, was just a moment. He brought everyone together. You know, no matter what was going on in your life, you just kind of forgot about it, and it was so when it was we an have, awesome when, there, when there's a crisis in the Middle East, we're all going to rally around Steph Curry's three-point shot. Yes, because guess what? We do the gonna... same thing with Barack Obama, so why not do it with Steph Curry? I, so hey, we'll, Steph we'll Curry's up, killing the game right now. Yeah, right. he's killing the game. We'll come up yeah. with a good solution out of that, and then we'll have peace in the East. It'll exactly. be great. Exactly. Okay. Who are you actually rooting for for president? Do you know? 
I haven't decided yet, honestly. You know, that I haven't paid too much attention to it, but I, when I'm on my phone and my friends are all going off about it, I kind of have to tune in. I tried to leave politics out of it because I remember I, I tweeted and I put a Facebook post up when Obama got his second term. I said, congratulations like, to President Obama on Facebook. And damn, I, I ripped. People were going crazy. Yeah, how dare you like him? I'm done following you, this and that. I was like, all I said was congrats. Jeez, like, it was bad. It was bad. So I said, you know what? I'm leaving politics out of my life, and I'm not dealing with this because people really get crazy with me when it comes to politics, and it's just a never end, never end to answer. You're never going to change somebody's opinion. If you have an opinion, that's going to be their opinion. That's it. So you do a lot of traveling, and let's talk about the process going from leaving your house to getting to where you need to go. Yeah, it's, a, it's a definitely a process. So when I travel, if I'm going for more than a day, I have to bring my nurse and my nurse's aide. I have to, so I have to buy my ticket and their two tickets too because they have to help get me ready in the morning and mm -hmm. things like that. So I usually bring a friend also because I like to help somebody, have somebody there to lift me up in the seats and things. So that's my, usually my mom brings us, drops us off at the airport. I got to go do check-in and everything. I get to the security gate. The best part is I get to go first to the security gate, my whole party too. <laughs> but when I get actually to the airport part, this is, the, this is like the cool, weird stuff that happens. You know, they have this tiny little aisle chair that I have to get you know, take it out of this chair too because this chair doesn't fit on a plane. Uh -huh. They lift me onto this tiny aisle chair where my butt cheeks are hanging off the sides. My shoulders are way too wide for it. They strap me down in it like I'm like squeezed in. It's crazy. Then they have to bring me onto the plane and usually that's why I have my friends so they, have, they can lift me up onto into the seat. So they get me to my seat. I always try to get, it's funny, me and my mom's always like, just buy the ticket that gives you right behind the first class, the bulkhead. Uh -huh. And me being cheap, <laughs> I, I just get there and I argue with the people up front. Like, you can't bring me to the back of the plane. I got to sit in the front. That's it. <laughs> I save a couple, a couple dollars doing that. But, um, there you go. They usually bring, let me sit in the bulkhead of the seat and then I get in the bulkhead and yeah, it's the process. I get wherever I'm going and then we got to do the same thing. First one on, last one off. So everyone has to wait for me first to get on. But then when everyone, I have to wait for everyone to get off and then I'm the last one off. And it's a whole process wrapping up my chair, teaching the ramp, calling the ramp supervisor up, telling them how to take it in and out and do try to move it, how to lift it. It's a whole process to go to travel, but kind of got everything down packed now. So it's like from step to step to step. All right, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And once I get there, it's finally like, ah, it's like a deep breath. You can finally relax. Is it hard because not every ramp supervisor, as you said, do they always know the protocols? Do they know how to, to get you from one place to the next? Do they know how to put together the wheelchair? Are they completely with you on sync on step to step? No, yeah. not all of them, not all of them. I'll tell you what, there's been great places I've been to and there's been terrible places. And uh, I'll tell you what, the worst airport I hate traveling out of is I just came back from there is Philadelphia. Those people, they're just angry. As soon as you go to the desk, like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> what do you need? They are angry people. And you're like, like I'm the nicest, it's, brightest it's, person you could it's, ever it's, meet. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just trying to get to my, you know, to the spot. I'm trying to get, you know, the good seat, this and that. Those people are angry at Philadelphia and they... They just don't. They just don't want to help. Like I had the aisle seat the other yesterday when I was on the plane, and they like they lift me into it. and They're supposed to have buckles on it to strap you in. They didn't have buckles on when I came on when I, to go to you know to Dallas. You would think when I came back they would have the buckles. Nope, same aisle chair again. It's like they just don't care at all. So I've had my 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 fights with people at the airport, and I've had good airport people, but Philly man. Where do you guys go when you want to go party and have a good time? So we usually go to Vegas every Memorial Day weekend. We've done three years in a row on that this year. 
Then we got to mix it up a little bit. We wanted to go to Spain, Ibiza. Ooh, that would be crazy. We're, still, we're still in the planning of doing something like that. I usually like to go to Miami every January to get away from the cold after the holidays and everything. But this year I'm going to Arizona for the national championship. Uh-huh. And everything to end up visit Katie. And then after that, sometimes we go to L.A. for the ESPYs. Uh-huh. And if I can get you know, a certain amount of tickets. So we like to travel, but I definitely want to do that Europe trip. I've never been to Europe or out of the country like that, only to the Caribbean. So... I want to do Spanish. I feel like saying you like to travel is an understatement. Oh. Your Instagram is yeah, just nonstop. You're like, it's not pictures of here. It's pictures of you just all over the place. It is. It's, it's crazy. I always say when, before my injury, I barely traveled. You know, I barely even went to New York City. I've probably been to the city 10 times in my entire life being 35 minutes outside of the city. Now I feel like I'm in the city every other weekend or if I'm going here, going there, I don't let this wheelchair hold me back and I love to go to hot places and enjoy it. So I want to end up in Mexico at the Black Jaguar White Tiger Foundation. That's, that is my goal, 2016, to get to Mexico City, Mexico, and get to that Black Jaguar White Tiger Foundation, go play with some lions and tigers, and not the big ones. Only the cubs, yeah. Don't, don't put me in the cage with the big ones. I was reading an article. Did you end up ever going skydiving? So about that, yeah. skydiving. I want to do it, but I got to lose about 30 pounds. So I'm about 270, 280 in between there. Okay. And then like, you got to be 240, 250. I'm like, all right, this ain't as, as before my injury. It was easy. I could hop on a treadmill, throw on a sweater. I'm going running. I only eat twice a day now. I only eat lunch and I only eat dinner. But I'm, I love my pizza, my burgers, my french fries. <laughs> I do eat some vegetables. Like I love spinach, cooked spinach. It has to be cooked. Mm-hmm. Cooked spinach or cooked stream beans and collard greens. Those are my three vegetables. And uh, Other than that, it's not as easy to lose weight as it once was, being able to just get up and go run it off. Now I actually got to watch what I eat. But like I said, I can't give up burger and fries for too long. Okay. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, okay. Love a good cheeser. Like <laughs> I'm a big Shake Shack fan. What's your cheeseburger of choice? Oh, I see. I'm, I'm, a, I'm playing to see the cheeseburger, ketchup only, large fry, medium chocolate shake. That's been my. <laughs> He's got it. He knows it. He knows it. I wear it as a kid, like if I'm McDonald's or Burger King, cheeseburger, ketchup only, large fry, medium chocolate shake. That's it. So let's talk about this football season at Rutgers. You've worked your way into the broadcast booth working with Ray Lucas and Chris Carlin. What's that experience been like for you to be up in the booth now instead of out in the field? Oh, it's been amazing. You know, watching the game from up there and learning how to talk. And you know, actually, I give a lot of credit, you know, to people who do this for a living because in the beginning, I saw the I'm like, yeah, it's easy to talk football. No, you really are talking. And you're on the radio. You're their eyes, you know, so you yeah. have to really explain everything. You don't want to go into too many football terms or breaking out football one-on-one. And Chris Carlin has been a great mentor for me. You know, he's the one who... You know, everyone's like, oh, you're doing a great job, you blah, blah, blah. No, he's the one who gets on my ass and makes sure I'm doing the right thing. You know? He's very I, good at that, exactly. yeah. Exactly, I can't thank him enough for that. And then working alongside Ray, that man cracks me. I love it. <laughs> I love that. That that makes it just that much more pleasurable to be able to talk about football and work beside Ray because you never know what Ray is going to say or what ticks him off or something. And especially when, you know, especially when we're off air and he just starts going off about something. That's, that's the best. One game this season, Rutgers was playing Nebraska and a kid, Derek Nelson, got hit and was down. And they weren't really sure exactly what the injury was, and he was down on the field. And you actually had to go through and explain your injury. And what was that like for you, looking down, seeing he was injured, not knowing exactly what his circumstance was, but knowing that you'd been through something similar and watching what had happened? You know, it brought me right back to when it exactly happened. And, you know, since we were on air, you know, we didn't take a break. I kind of wanted to give our viewers who are listening, you know, just a very inside perspective view on it because I, this is what happened to me. And I wanted to explain to them what I was going through, what I'm thinking at the time. Like, I'm just laying there. Like, well, am I going to die right now? I can't move. I can't breathe. 
They're asking me, can I feel this? Can you feel that? And every, every answer is no. So I was trying to give that, you know, that view, you know, the view for them to, to you know, try to put that in their head. All the view was like, wow, this is what it really feels like. And I was looking at it, and it's crazy to watch that because every time someone goes down, it just brings me right back to where I was when that happened now, five years ago. And I just really, honestly, I just, I was doing it for the viewers. I wanted them to feel that, you know, kind of feel that emotion, feel that pain of being in that situation so they could put themselves in it. And then when he got up and everything, and he gave the thumbs up, that was great to see. But I wanted to get everyone to, you know, to pretty much give them the perspective. If you could put yourself in that spot for one minute or one second and feel like, wow, this is my life and, you know, you have no idea what's going to happen to you next. And when the injury initially happened to you and you were on the ventilator, and I remember you working your way off of it and that was such a big milestone for you. Just being able to do that and being able to breathe on your own must have been such a, a way to be able to say, if I can do that, then I can almost do anything. Exactly what it was. It was such a relief. I'll never forget that night. You know, I was in, I was just got back to Kessler after I was battling the fever and all these infections and everything. They didn't know if I was going to make it. And I remember just trying to be able to get some rest and sleep when I was on the ventilator. And it was just always like, squash, And I'm like, I'm like, how am I supposed to sleep with this? Like, how do you relax with this thing in your through your neck like this? Just you guys can see the scar. And I asked my respiratory therapist. I'm like. Can you take the, take just take it out for a second? Let me just like try to breathe. And she goes, okay, you can, I'm gonna take it out, but you're probably gonna have to come on after a minute or so. I was like, I don't care. Give me a minute. Maybe I'll fall asleep within that minute. And when she took it off, and I was just like, and then it felt like, honestly, it felt like I ran a marathon. I was breathing real heavy, but an hour and a half later, I was still breathing on my own. And you're like, oh, maybe you already get weaned off of this thing. And then a week, week and a half later, I was off of it, breathing on my own again. And when they would take me off, it was like, it felt like I just ran a marathon, but I was actually breathing on my own and being able to slow my breathing down after about 15 minutes. I was like, so one of the best feelings in the world, definitely. Maybe you like it. If they told me I'll be on this for the rest of my life, five weeks later, I'm breathing on my own. How can they tell me I'll never walk again? And I feel like the Believe phenomenon kind of came from the community and the community's support for you, but that specific moment for you might have started your belief in how you knew that you were going to get better. Exactly. It was. It just just that, that moment, you know, five weeks into the injury and then being able to do that. And then the next week, being able to pass the swallowing test when they told me that I'll never eat solid foods again and I had a feeding tube in my stomach. And that Thanksgiving, I'm eating a full meal with my family, you know, things like that. It's just like, like how can you tell me this and that? And then all this is happening and then from there, been all stuck to the board, barely able to turn my head right and left and down. Emotionally, started moving my shoulders and things like that. It's like, how could you tell me all this stuff, you know? And it's not, that's not going to happen. Then hearing other people's stories also helped too because you hear miracle stories. Like, I had people tell me, oh, I haven't moved for 10 years, and all of a sudden one day I was wiggling my toes. And then my one true inspiration, I would say, Adam Talaferro, who was a Penn State football player, broke his neck in 2000 versus Ohio State as a freshman. They gave him the same percentage, you know, 0-5% chance of getting any neurological function back below his neck injury, things like that. A year and a half later, he was leading his team back on the field versus Miami. That, you know, when I see him, you know, now, he's married, got married on my birthday. He last, you know, two years ago now. Just had his first baby. He's now on the Penn State Board of Trustees. I see that, I'm like, wow, if he could do it, you know, it may take me a little bit longer, but I could do the same thing. When you say that when you're able to walk again, because you believe you will, and I think that a lot of us believe that you will, I am included in that, you said that you want to walk to the spot where the injury happened and you want to be able to get up. Mm -hmm. That is super powerful and it's a great message to be able to share with everyone, especially people who have gone through spinal cord injuries. But my question is, have you thought past that? 
about what you want to do in terms of where you want to walk? Yeah, I, I'd say I was, I'm, I'm traveling the world. I want to go to the Colosseum in Rome. I want to go to a safari in Africa. But I said, I'm not going until I can have a machete and a shotgun in my hand. <laughs> I, like, I think about that all the time, where I want to go, things, places I want to be. And I really want to see the world and be able to share my story and show them, you know, be able to walk around and be like, look, look if I did this, you know, anything is really possible in this world. But I, I can't wait to be able to travel all to all these different places, you know. And, be able to experience these different things because that's just life, you gotta enjoy it. When you lay in bed at night and you have a hard time falling asleep, what are you thinking about? Well, I, the main thing I think is usually a tough day, if I have a tough day, like, dang, I wish I could have did this, or I wish I could have just get up and go here, or I wish I could have went to lunch with this person here and just drive myself, you know, things like that. I sit down like, wow, you know, you know, this situation just sucks, you know, it's not easy, it's not always fun, but I get through it. But I think about all the people that don't have have a man cave like this, or don't have, aren't set up with the support that I have, or aren't traveling all over the world. You know, I I hear stories all the time. I got a good friend named Ingrid who, unfortunately, she got into a car accident, didn't have her seatbelt on, but the airbag didn't deploy. Her head went through the windshield, got out of her car, stood up, turned her head the wrong way, broke her neck just like that, and she's paralyzed. And now she came from you know just low income housing. She's still there. One bedroom apartment in Jersey City with her 10 year old daughter with six people living in the house with them. And she can't even get out the house half of the time because the elevator in the apartment's not working. So it makes me think of stuff like that. And I'm like, what, what do I have to complain about? I got my own elevator in my house. I got my own lifting system, I got my own heating system, everything. It's like, it makes me kind of like, shut up. Like, you, you may not be able to do this, but think about the people who can't even, even get out their own house, things like that. So it puts a lot of things in perspective for me. Who have you met? Because you've turned into a celebrity now, at this point, and I mean, you inspire a lot of people, but you've also, you're recognized around the country. Who have you met that has been really cool for you that you were like, holy crap, this person is awesome? You know, two people, there was just still a few people I need to meet. Like, I, was, I need to meet George, Michael Jordan, even though I've been in his presence twice and too scared to go over to him. But, <laughs> okay. but Ray Lewis was one of them. I wore his number and everything. I always watched his videos when I was a kid. You know, just all that passion, try to bring the same thing to my team, and I got to meet him my last time down in Tampa Bay when it was in 2013. I got to meet him on a Monday Night Football game, so I was real amped up about that. But it's funny, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne is my guy, man. I've been jamming out to Lil Wayne forever. You're not sipping on any scissors. Right? I am not sipping on any okay, scissors. <laughs> but Lil Wayne was my guy, and I'll never, you know, I always used to listen to him before games and things like that. It always motivated me to listen to him and his mixtapes and then all his albums. And then I'll never forget when I met him, I could find my way to get backstage. It was down in, uh, down, down, down the shore of one of his concerts that he had, and I got to go backstage and everything. And when he came running off, off it was Mac Main. He was right there, and he goes, yo, Wayne, that's the Rutgers football player. And he looked at me, and he walks up to me, goes, my motherfucking guy. I was like, little way? And he hugs me, and he whispers in my ear. He goes, my man, I've been following your story since day one. He goes, and you're not only gonna walk, and you're not you're not only gonna walk, you're gonna fly, and we're gonna fly together, and we're gonna party together. And he goes, you keep on inspiring the world because you're a true inspiration to me, and I've been following you, like I said, since day one, and I'm gonna be following you to the day you get back out of this chair. And I was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, at the time, I was like, uh-huh. And I was, after that, it was just, I didn't know what to do. I was like on cloud of nine, and I got to actually see him again down in Miami at Club Live. I was in, I was in a crowd, he, I remember he waved to me in the crowd, so we're leaving now, Club Live, after it's all over and everything. And we're, I'm getting my, I'm in my manual chair at the time, so my friends are pushing me, and their big brawl break, breaks out behind us, like in the front. So 
all my friends are like turned around like, oh shit, like there's a fight going on. And the Bentley pulls up and I look right at it and it was little Wayne told his driver to stop. Opens up the door, he like fell coming out the car and he comes running up to me again. He goes, E, what's up, man? And all my friends are still looking back at the fight, right? So I'm like, Wheezy, what's going on, man? What's up? And then all of a sudden my friends turn around and they're like, oh! Like blowing up and everything, and they like grab his arm, like they jump in, and like, wait, we gotta get a picture. And then we, one of his security guards got out and he took the picture of us. And it was, I remember after that, we were like, e, we all met, he's going down on a drive, walking down Collins Lab down there in Miami. And it was just like, wow, we we're on cloud nine again. So that's my guy. He tweet every time he sees me on Sports Center, he sends a tweet out. So, so the Wayne's probably been the coolest guy I got to meet. Well, you're, I mean, you're such, a, like we've said it so many times, you're such a positive guy. Um, how did you meet Mike Nichols? Like, I know I've seen a lot of his pictures on your Instagram and Twitter, and I know he got injured. He has a C5 vertebrae fracture that he got playing hockey. Just how did you, did you reach out to him? Did he reach out to you? Because I know it happened after your injury, and how's that relationship sort of been with the two of you? No, I heard about Mikey's story about probably a week after the injury, and I remember it was like, wow, that's terrible. You know, high school hockey player, you know, in the same county as I live in Middlesex County. It went down, and you know, I was like, wow, you know, it's a terrible situation. I kind of know what he's going through. And I remember I said I wanted to go visit him at the hospital and everything. And I remember when I went there, I will never forget that. I, it was bad. Like, he was just out of it, so drugged up and everything. And he was, he did not look in a good place. He lost a lot. He was already small anyway, and he lost even more. He was like 70 pounds. I'm like, this, is, this doesn't look like a good situation. I just, you know, tried to talk to him. And, you know, he kind of understood me, kind of didn't, because he was just so medicated and drugged up. And I remember leaving there saying, like, wow, I hope this kid pulls through. Like, I hope he makes it in. What a fighter that kid is. You know, he's one of my inspirations now. This kid has fought back. He's been through so much between different infections with this injury, secondary complications. And he still smiles and still that therapy grinding every single day when I see him. And, you know, it's just first, I, I got injured at 20 years old, but I always say, at least I experienced my college life, you know, got to go through it a little bit. I would just always say I feel bad because he got injured as a senior in, in high school, but he's not letting that hold him back. He's still living his dream and things like that. So, you know, he's, that's why he serves as one of my inspirations. And, you know, Mikey Nichols, that's, that's my boy, man. He, I'll tell you what, he's sharp. You know, you try to make fun of him, he's going to come at you with some fire. That kid, <laughs> that kid is, he, he's funny to be around. So he's one of my good friends, and I get to see him at therapy every day. So that's always cool, too. Who that you work with? really inspires you? My nurses, you know, it's, it's funny because I've, it's when this world, you know, dealing with different nurses and things like that, especially in the beginning, I like, I was very like off, like I didn't want to be taken care of by anybody, like I was a big football player, you know, taking care of myself and my dream. Now all of a sudden I got nurses coming in, they have to wash me, get me up, feed me this, and I was like, no, I didn't want to deal with that. And then you find some good nurses that, you know, that, that love what their job is doing, and then you get your nurses that are just here for the paycheck, they really don't care, so. You go through things like that, but now I've, I finally had a good set of nurses, and you know Clementine, she's she's one of my my best nurses out there. You know she's here seven days a week, and she's because she cares. I can call her in the middle of the night if I have a problem going on. She'll they come two in the morning when I got a six o'clock flight. They know they got to be here at two a.m. We got to start getting ready, and then she leaves her two kids at home, and she travels with me. You know finds a way to get them a babysitter, things like that. You know I don't take that for granted at all because I know. That it's not easy. She's working. She's trying to buy a buy a house. She got two kids at home that are eleven. No, they're now thirteen and, and uh, twelve. So it's not easy just you know just dropping everything and leaving your kids like that. So she's really a true inspiration. I mean, I can't thank her enough for everything that she does for me because 
It's truly incredible. She says that she's like my that she's like my my older sister, and I'm like her younger brother, and she, she does everything for me. So, Clementine, what up? <laughs> well, you mentioned her kids, and I know you've got two nephews, and you've got a niece on the way in January, right? Yes, I do. Is um, that going to be scary for you? It is, and my sister's ready to pop at any given moment right now. The due date was you know January 8th, but she can go at any given moment. We we got a bunch of boys between you know my brother-in-law, my now my nephews, and. Now we got a little girl to the family, and I remember my brother-in-law, the day when they found out what it was, because my brother-in-law was like, we got to find out. The first two days, but he's like, we got to find out. And when he found out it was a girl, he was just like, just like, oh my God, like I'm going to be a dad to a little girl. And I'll never forget, he made my sister drive home from the, from the doctor's appointment because he couldn't get himself together. Couldn't get himself to, couldn't get himself together that he was having a little girl. He made my oh, sister drive drive home from the doctor's so appointment. Cute. And yeah, so now I'm just like, I can't wait to see, you know, I'm gonna make her tough still. This is Uncle E. I gotta <laughs> make right. her tough, but I know she's gonna have me wrapped around her fingers. Like, little girl to the family, I'm not used to that. Do you want kids when you grow up? Oh yeah, I'm done. I want like at least three, probably two or three kids, you know, I always think about it. Having kids and then me being a dad to them and trying to you know, be you know, a big, um, you know, good mentor to them. I think about that stuff all the time, and I definitely at least want two, most probably most four, but you know, I'll be happy in between two, three, four. But I definitely want to need to populate this world a little bit more. So I've heard you talk about younger kids playing football. So if you had a son, he would play football if he wanted to. If he wanted to, one hundred percent. Just made me the game made me into who I am today. I know this injury happened. It's a dangerous game, but I would say. If, you're gonna, if, if my kid was play, I would say you have to play with 100% and respect the game. You know, you don't go out there just to have some fun and be with your friends. No, it's you guys teach you hard work. You know, you go do a lot of self evaluations dealing with this game. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? And what am I doing with my life? He does, but it ultimately sets you up for life. You know, when you gotta go through tough times and adversity. You know, learn how to work together as a team. Learn how to get through situations. You know, when you're dependent on things like that. You know, I believe football is the best teacher of life out there for when it comes to sports-wise. So it makes me think the same. If my kid wanted to do it, absolutely. But you got to play with 100 percent. With all the concussion protocol out right now, do you think the league's doing enough to help prevent injuries? I do. You know, it's a violent game. You got grown men running full speed into each other. You know, they're doing great jobs with these helmets now. You you see how much from back when I played pop water to now, it's like it's like a whole from different worlds, night and day. And, you know, with the different protocols that they have, making sure these players are getting off the field now, you know, sometimes they do miss it, which is sad. They got a spotter up there that's watching, you know, some guys. I think they're doing a great job with it, you know, and making sure that these guys pass these protocols before they go back out there on the field. So, you know, it's, it's a violent game, so these things are going to happen. It's just, well, it is what it is. Every football player knows when you strap up that helmet, you're putting yourself at risk. And it is what it is when it comes to these injuries. But I think the NFL is doing as much as they can to make the game as safe as possible without making it ticky-tack to hand touch football. So we end every podcast with an embarrassing or funny or silly story. Oh. So my embarrassing story is when I was an intern back at CSN Mid-Atlantic down in Washington, and it was a Wizards Heat game, and this was back when Shaq was on the Heat. And it was my first time in the locker room, I didn't know what I was doing, and on my way out from the studio, a, one of the women that I worked with shouts at me, make sure you wear heels. And I thought she was kidding. I thought that was kind of like a nine o'clock on the ninth hole type of a situation, like she's trying to troll me kind of. Mm -hmm. So I wore flats, of course, didn't listen to her. And when I get there, I'm interviewing Shaq in the locker room and he is so tall. <laughs> and my mic comes up to his crotch and he's looking at me like he's super mortified. So he goes, excuse me, little lady. 
and he parts the whole scrum, all the reporters that had come and talked to him, he parts the reporters and he walks across the locker room and gets a chair and he comes back over and he puts it down right in front of him and he goes, here you go little lady. So I step up on the chair and I fall right onto my good. ass. I step yeah. right through the chair. I, I thought I got struck by lightning. I hit the ground so hard, I didn't even know what had happened to me. So then I stand back up and everyone's looking at me. Everyone's got their cameras on and of course their mics recorded everything. And he's like, that's okay, I've taken a couple of hard falls in my day. So he props me, props the chair back up, props me back up on the chair. I'm standing on top of the chair in front of all these reporters and their cameras blocking everyone's view. He picks the mic back up and gives me the mic and he's like, so what was your question? And I was like, all right, I like that. That's, that's wow. nice of you. But I was beat red. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I could swore that the cameras could pick up my heartbeat. It's super embarrassing. Super awful. Also, like a really great story. Great story. Like, Shaq is the super cool dude that yeah. just did all this for you. And this is what I get for not wearing heels. Although yeah. I still wouldn't have been able to reach him anyway. He sort of, I don't know what the extra like six inches would have done. Probably not much. He's huge. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's the biggest man I've ever seen in person. Yeah, he is. All right, so. what do you got? Mine is a little bit disgusting and embarrassing, so is that okay? That's okay, yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> I was a freshman in, in uh, high school at the time. I was in Spanish class, first block. And my whole life, everyone knew me. I was the guy who would fart in class and always make everyone laugh. I was that guy. Whenever, when it got silent, I was letting it rip. <laughs> I was that guy. Everyone knew that, too. So I'm in Spanish class. Ah oh, man, I had a white tracksuit on with blue, blue and orange on the side, but the butt was white. But thank God I had a 5XT on that day because that was the bit when it was, everything was about baggies back then. Yeah. I decided, I feel one coming. I'm like, all right, do I do this? Do I not do it? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to make it louder than this probably should have. And <laughs> sharded myself. <laughs> First block, freshman year in class. I raised my hand to the teacher. I said, can I go to the bathroom right now? She goes, oh, I'm okay. Sprint to the bathroom. I get there. My boxers are soaked. I'm like, what do I do? Like, do I go to the nurse and say, oh, I do myself? Do I, I got to go home? Like, how do I tell my mom, like, I need you to bring me new clothes? So I'm in the bathroom. But naked with just a, a tee on. And I have to... Figure out how to clean my pants so no one else knows. Throw my boxers away. And literally say I had to use the soap dispensers and everything to wipe the back of the pants off. And I had to put them back on. And I went along through my day with little doo-doo stain on the back of my pants. <laughs> but thank God I had a 5XYT on it. Yeah, I told my friends all about it. And, I, and afterwards, they're like, I knew you kind of stunk a little bit. And I'm like, one of the most embarrassing days of my life. And that story, I... When people ask me embarrassing stories, I gotta tell them that because I have no shame. It, it, it happened, and yeah, I was. That's what I get for trying to be the fart king. That's pretty good. Yeah, you learned your lesson. That's for sure. All right, Eric, where can people text for your foundation? I know you're doing a fundraiser right now. What's going on? Yeah, I'm doing a text to give. We're trying to raise fifty-two thousand dollars by the end of uh, this year. We got a week left for it, so people can text. Just text a simple Legrand. It's Legrand to the number two zero. 222 and it's just a small donation of a it's a five dollar donation that goes to my foundation and here we're trying to raise money through that but also people can visit my website teamlegrand.org if they want to give a bigger donation and be a part of the cause because it's not only helping me but the 5.6 million people out there that are dealing with some type of paralysis and we're trying to find a cure for this and i always say this injury doesn't discriminate it could happen to anybody and the stories car accidents 
falling off of a ladder from cleaning the gutters, things like that. This injury can happen to anybody. So if you know anybody affected by it or you just think about your situation, you know, somebody in a wheelchair like this, you know, just want to give any a dollar, every dollar helps. So uh, we're doing that, like I said, that text to give. So text LeGrand to 20222, L-E-G-R-A-N-D. All right, also, I want to ask you, you were posting something on Instagram about a clothing line. What's going on there? Yeah, prove people wrong. I got to partner up with them. We've made a t-shirt, my Believe t-shirt. That's like, pretty dope. I like it with my number. Your hoodies right are dope, too. And we just came out with the hoodies yeah. that came out last Friday. And so people could just go to ProvePeopleWrong.com and you get uh, every purchase that somebody makes, $10 goes to my foundation from it. So, yeah, if you want to go get one of those dope hoodies, definitely go to ProvePeopleWrong.com and check it out. Get one of my t-shirts or Believe hoodies. I was rocking mine in the airport the other day, so got to check it out. And then let's talk about your TV show that's going to be in the, that's in the making, in the works. Yeah, it's in the works. I had a great meeting with Fox Sports. We'll see where we go from there, but Mission, Mission Possible, it's all about... The stuff I was talking about, we're going to go behind the scenes in my life. Because people always get to see me here and there and stuff, but you don't get to see the behind the scenes. So we're going to show behind the scenes stuff of me going to the airport, getting through the airport, but also uncovering amazing stories along the way, like people that don't have the same platform as I do. Like there's, we found, we, there's this guy named Max Gomez who was uh, going to be into the X Games and went over a jump and he severed two of the three main arteries in his leg. Had to get it amputated from the knee down. But now he's back in the X Games doing, you know, and, and the mobility X Games, and it's crazy what he's doing, his story. And then I found a guy named Patrick, a blind golfer, whose his dad tells him the angles that he has to be on to hit the ball and with the wind pressures. Kid is a genius. He's smart as anything and lines up and he's out there with shooting the ball and putting with Bubba Watson and things like that. And so and covering those stories, letting them, you know, have a platform and also, you know, maybe meet the one of their favorite athletes. So going behind the scenes, get to see my life a little bit, but also uncovering these amazing stories and making other people's dreams come true, meeting their famous at famous, you know, football player or baseball player, whatever it is. You know, they're here on their life while they get to share their story. Well, that sounds great. We will definitely look out for that mission possible. Eric, thank you so much for inviting us into your home, into your man cave. This place is amazing. You've got a crazy shoe closet over there. I think <laughs> that you're taking over, what, Footlock? Is it Nike? My, Jor no, my Jordans, baby. Just, Just your Jordans. Jordan collection. Yes. Takes up a whole closet. I'm very impressed. Thank you so much for inviting us in and for having us. Kyle, thank you. Abiel, thank you. This is the holiday edition of the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at That's What She Said Podcast. And let's go get a snack.